This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Certainty breeds confidence. When you know you have the strategies and tactics to deal with whatever comes up, you have an air of self-assurance. Learn the formula for living as the highest version of yourself, resulting in increased self-confidence, freedom, and emotional well-being. If you feel you're not naturally confident, you could be stuck forever dreaming, the person you want to be always beyond your reach. Starting your day off in the wrong way can affect your confidence on every level and cause you to be unfocused and inconsistent. But what if genuine confidence could be learned and practiced? Even better, what if it could be learned using methods that exercise both brain and body? And that could be tailored to your unique life circumstances. Valeria Tellez interviews Danny Greaves, the author of Six Steps to Self-Confidence. Build confidence. Express yourself. Have fun. Danny Greaves has long been fascinated by how the mind, brain, and body work seamlessly together to create our human experience. After a decade working with clients to help them feel better about their body and resolve physical pain, his attention moved to the ever more pressing area of mental health. Danny studied and trained with several of the world's leading minds in human behavior and synthesized these approaches into transformational coaching programs designed to help people express themselves, believe in themselves, and appreciate the value they have to share. He is an expert in teaching how the mind works and is inspired by helping people clear previous painful memories and traumas so they can live a life of meaning, purpose, and productivity. Danny is the author of Six Steps to Self-Confidence and runs Danny Greaves Coaching. Meet Danny at dannygreavescoaching.com. Here is the interview with Danny Greaves. In your own words, who is Danny Greaves? Danny Greaves is someone who is towards the beginning of a journey, who is using the business that I love to actually help develop and evolve myself. I'm all about how much I can evolve and where can I get to. I love that idea of getting there or getting somewhere. It seems like in a way we are looking for a destination a place of completeness, wholeness, peace, or balance, perhaps, too. Would you say that those places exist? 
I like the idea of heading towards almost mini destinations. I don't think we'll ever reach a destination where everything is complete because I always think there's another level or another project. But I think there's so many moments along the way where we can pause and appreciate the mini destination. So we get to enjoy the whole journey without actually ever knowing that there's an end that we can reach, which I think is something that's quite interesting. I hear wisdom when you say that. This ability to live in the moment for what is happening now, achieving those many goals and being feeling complete, not being complete, but feeling complete. It's more like a feeling from what I see. Yeah, I I think that's right. I think we all have a feeling that we know we're on the right track. So for some people, it's maybe goosebumps. For other people, it's that warm feeling. I think we all do it in slightly different ways and just trying to structure our life to give us as many of those moments as possible, I think is a, a nice way of looking at it. It really sounds reasonable to me and also realistic. So we don't have all these ideas, grandiose ideas, or get lost in them because sometimes that can happen. I remember my case, thinking about a destination, living for that destination for almost 37 years, trying to be happy. Really, I was trying to look for inner peace, but then Mm. the word that I used to use was happiness. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question. What is happiness to you today? And what are the greatest misconceptions about happiness? Ooh, okay. (laughs) Happiness to me is essentially a, a synonym for fulfillment. I think the more that I think about happiness, I almost automatically in my mind convert it towards fulfillment. I really love the... I think it was the ancient Greeks who came up with those two versions of happiness where we have that one more animalistic, sensual happiness, which tends to be more short-lived, which we now know is heavily correlated with those dopamine rushes. And then we have those longer-lasting, more fulfilling type of happiness, that eudaimonia type, which is more about a balance of both sides. So it isn't necessarily an absolute high, but it's an appreciation rather than sort of like a, a quick rush, if that makes sense. And then when you speak of fulfillment, I think about purpose. Would you say that purpose and fulfillment are connected? I would, yes. And Purpose was really a challenge for me for quite a while. And, you know, there are certain people out there who speak and their journey suggests that they've had one purpose for their whole life. And when I would sort of see those people and I would compare that to my situation, I used to really often ask myself, I don't know what my purpose is. How come I don't have this really crystal clear purpose about my whole life and it was actually when I spoke to one of those people who I thought had this one crystal clear purpose and it was actually them who explained that actually they their purpose evolves and changes every couple of years or every few years it's just that they're so connected to it when they speak about it it sounds like it transcends a lot of time and that for me took a lot of pressure off because then i could just appreciate and focus on what was important to me right now 
which took a big burden of that what is my purpose off and I think it it can catch a lot of people out if you do have one purpose and you know it then awesome I think that's amazing but for anyone who maybe isn't quite sure I would suggest maybe rein it in a little bit and focus on what's right now and use that as your purpose. You wrote a book about self-confidence, six steps to self-confidence, build confidence, express yourself, have fun. I love everything about it, (laughs) Uh, being confident, expressing yourself, being authentic and having fun, right? Not taking life too seriously or ourselves too seriously. I have tons of questions for you here, but I think I'll ask you a fundamental one. Confidence. How do you define confidence? What is it? This is something that I love to chat about, and I think it's really important first that we make a distinction. So the most important distinction for me is self-confidence, which, you know, if we look at the definitions, means the trust, belief and faith that you have in yourself. Mm. So that's about you as a human being, your self-confidence as a human being. But what we tend to encounter more is our situational confidence, which is how we feel about our skills or resources in a very narrow context, whether it's you know an interview or public speaking or the job that you're doing. And the situational confidence is very much about your skill level or when you're doing an action. And your self-confidence is about who you are. And I think one of the biggest mistakes or sort of traps that people get mixed up in is they start to merge those two together and they start to make maybe an action that didn't go so well be a reflection of them as a purpose. And uh, Sorry, reflection of them as a person. And what happens then is your image of yourself that you have somewhere deep in your mind is so volatile because it's going up and down. Whereas when you have self-confidence, you can handle setbacks, mistakes and failures, and you can see them as part of the journey rather than a sort of like a mark against who you are. Do you somehow also connect self-confidence to self-esteem? Yes. Yeah. I... From what I was taught and uh, sort of the learnings that I've sort of pieced together, our true self-esteem doesn't change. That is who we are at our essence, all of our parts together. That doesn't change regardless of what happens. But our self-esteem on a day-by-day basis, which sort of isn't necessarily our true self-esteem, but our perceived self-esteem, that varies quite a lot. So generally when your perceived self-esteem is low, your confidence is low. And the closer you get to your true self-esteem, the more confident you get. And I think the more you're doing things that you value, the more things you're doing that are meaningful and challenging, the higher the confidence and the self-esteem goes. Would you say that there is also a mark let's say, signs when we are there, if there is such a thing as a destination for self-confidence and self-esteem? Or would you say that this is something that we are constantly working on? I think it's something that we're constantly working on. The most beautiful description I ever heard was from one of Ralph Waldo Emerson's essays, where he talks about concentric circles, where at any point in our life we have 
like a sphere of awareness. We have a sphere of influence. And then as we grow, develop and push forwards, we reach that goal, if you like. We reach that next level and then we just join another sphere. So I like the idea that we're always expanding, but there are markers along the way. So there are things that maybe we didn't think were possible. And then two or three years later, we're doing it. There are things that maybe we didn't feel capable of. And then a few months later, we're actually living it. So it it changes and adjusts with time, I think. I love that. Uh, This idea that we're always growing, evolving, and there is this next level of whatever it is that we have in mind of achievement. And then there is something else to be discovered or uncovered. I like those descriptions, the discovered or uncovered. It's like a mix- mixture of both, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really, I mean, I think about life itself because that's what life is. It's this constant change, transforming, evolving, and it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> that goes back to the word you use. And that's what makes life fun and being a human being, a fun adventure. Absolutely. And it's, it's the, the way that we can look at things that allows us to have fun. If we get bogged down or we have maybe a little bit of a negative mindset that's built up over time, it's really quite amazing how we can suck the fun out of things. True. (laughs) But if we can change the way we look at things, then we we can let ourselves be free. And that's why I think it ties so closely in with self-expression. Mm. Because the more you feel free and able to express yourself Mm. without the fear of judgment or worry, the more fun you can have. So that was my next question, a warm-up question about freedom. So is that freedom to you? That's the meaning of freedom? To be able to express ourselves without any judgments and negativity? It is. And uh, I certainly wouldn't say that I know anyone who expresses themselves and they don't have moments and times where they feel judged or they're worried. So I don't think it's a, it's a, like a perfect state that you can achieve, but I think we can continually edge closer towards it. And I think when I look back at my past, there were a lot of moments where on the inside I was thinking or feeling a certain way and for whatever reason I didn't go with it or I didn't dare to put it forwards. I didn't have the courage. And for me, that's kind of my my measure, my marker. How much can I put myself out there and be willing to accept criticism? Because I, I know there are people that will disagree, won't like me, and, and that's fine. But how much can I dare to do it? and then still feel at peace with what I'm doing. Another question I have for you is about success and power. How do you see these two components of life? Success is very subjective. And I think it's usually an idea that we have in mind. And often when we reach a point where we think we're successful, we then discover lots of things that we weren't maybe paying attention to. So we have an assumption that when I do X, I'll be successful. 
And then when we get there, then we realize that actually there's lots of stuff that comes with it. And it isn't the, the glorious vision that we thought it was. <laughs> right. So success, I, I would love to say I don't think about it in that way because I think they, maybe that's most helpful. But I certainly think there are, there are goals that I say, okay, I was successful here. I was successful there. I try to keep it in perspective. Power is a little bit trickier yeah. um, for me anyway. So I think there's a difference between having power and using power. Mm, right. So mm. I can feel like I have the power to choose or I feel like I have the power to make a decision. But the way I implement it or the way I use it says just as much about me. So there are certain people who wield power in a certain way. And I, I don't want to make that bad, but it just fits with their values. So power for me is an interesting one, I think. Having power, using power, they're different aspects. And it, it's, it's a tricky one. I think it's a, it's a balancing act. For me, power has something to do with the spiritual world or the invisible mm -hmm. world. And that's where true power to me comes from. So let me ask you this question. Do you have any spiritual practices? Do you believe in anything outside of your own daily life existence? I would say that my opinions and beliefs on this change, yeah. they certainly haven't settled. I think the one that resonates with me the most is... Uh, almost a little bit taken out of the, the famous Einstein quote, where he says one of the most important questions you'll ever ask is, are you living in a friendly universe? And mm. um, I think when we think about consciousness and we think about the lives that we live, the more I can connect to it being a friendly universe and it being here to help people experience more love. I think that's what I connect to the most um, and it's something that I like to learn about but it's definitely uh, I'm a long way from coming to a conclusion on that. I love your wisdom <laughs> and that's natural too because you're not really it's something they have not concluded it's just it's, it comes naturally it just arises naturally that's beautiful. So as I mentioned earlier you wrote the book Six Steps to Self-Confidence Build Confidence Express Yourself Have Fun Two initial questions. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? How did I become a writer? It was, to be honest, it was something that maybe three or four years ago I hadn't even contemplated. And I didn't even think that I had a book in me, to be honest. like It just wasn't something that was in my awareness. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. And I actually went to a workshop where they were talking about the book that changes your life isn't the one that you read, it's the one that you write. Mm. And it was asking you to think about how much of your time do you sort of spend reading compared to actually creating and putting your own message out there. And when those two kind of merge together I had a thought about if there was something that I could share that I find inspiring and that's really important to me what would it be and like without a doubt it was the thing that I started to implement in the mornings 
that I feel has helped my trajectory continue to go up and up. So those two kind of all clicked together. And then within an hour, I think I had the draft of the book in terms of like the chapters. And then I just thought, okay, I think I can do this. (laughs) So I set myself a goal. I mapped it out. Uh, painstakingly and within sort of four or five months it was written so it was it was quite a, a whirlwind of a journey. Talk to me about your coaching services and the mental fitness program and also why did you choose to become a life coach and hypnotherapist? So in terms of why I decided to become a coach it was purely out of the impact that I witnessed it have on me. So my background was as a physiotherapist. I was almost exclusively interested in how the body works. I loved learning about the brain and the nervous system, and that's still something that I, I bring with me today. But I was more interested in the body. I was having a few personal challenges in terms of just feeling anxious, struggling with a relationship, and just lacking confidence, to, to put it like as a summary. And within a few short coaching sessions, everything changed. And I was just like, wow. Like, I have to learn more about this. So I started making the transition from being a physio and I started to learn a bit about hypnotherapy. And what I love about hypnotherapy is it just highlights the importance of language and there's beautiful language patterns. And then you can see how hypnosis is all around the world all the time, which is not aware of it. So it was just more of a a study that I enjoyed. So that's kind of how I found myself there. And in terms of the services that I provide, I love helping people get specific results. So I don't sort of subscribe to the idea of just having ongoing therapy or counseling. I like to have There are challenges that I'm facing. There's goals that I want to work towards. And these are the things that are getting in the way. And those are the blocks that I like to remove. And we can do it in one of two ways because I think everyone has a different approach. We can either work on a problem and just say, this is what the result I want and just work towards it. There are some people like a little bit sort of like from more your mindset when you're more open and thinking about the bigger picture who love to learn more about how their mind works. So for some people who like to delve a little bit deeper, then I love helping them really experience how their mind works because I think that's the, that's a learning that you'll take with you for life. So those are sort of the ways that I approach it. You said so many things in your book, uh, the section that we are uh, focusing on, self-development. I'm not sure if I took it from that section, but you said all important life changes start with just two things, a new idea and a willingness to take consistent action. And that goes back to these um, the many goals that we spoke earlier. That's what it reminds yes. of. And then you also said, my experience strongly suggests it is wiser to create a morning routine that you love to wake up for. So that is really something that, I mean, I love the idea of having the uh, an intention in loving to wake up to do something that 
I feel strong about that I, that matters mm. to me. But I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I think a lot of people now, <laughs> we talked uh, off record about that. So how does it work for people who are not morning people? It's certainly a lively discussion point. <laughs> yeah. And I've had lots of talks with lots of different people who would consider themselves to be night owls or to, to really struggle with sort of the morning portion of the day. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that it's maybe less about the time. So it's less about the morning and it's more about the important hours where you can be productive or the important hours where you feel you can do your best work. And if you do your best work between 11 p.m. and midnight, then that's not for me to say it's not good or it's brilliant. If that's what works for you, then I think that's what you can capitalize on. If I think I could refine the book a little bit more, having sort of had chats with people, I think it is more about those highly productive hours where you can get the biggest bang for your buck. So if you're not a morning person, it might be worth experimenting to see if you can adapt, because I know a lot of people can. I certainly wasn't a morning person initially, and now my mornings <laughs> are without a doubt the best part. Wow. But if not, it's just a case of focusing on where you feel the best and how can you make that time as special as possible. I know you mentioned earlier uh, briefly about your journey, your personal development journey, but talk to me a bit more about how it came to be, how it developed and what inspired you to get started on your own self-development. What inspired me to get started was actually the level of fun that I had. Yeah. That That's what kept me going. And what I realized is when I was working as a physio, I would read research, I would read textbooks, I would maybe study anatomy. And I thought that's what inspired was, or I thought that's what enjoyment was. Right. And then when I started learning about how the mind works, how language works, how we frame our perceptions there was such a contrast in how much I engaged with that information and how I just couldn't get enough of it. I got more energy from reading it that I just knew that there was there was a, a change in direction that was coming. Unfortunately for me, when I started training, so the courses that I went on, I met some really wonderful, amazing people. And that atmosphere then made it even more enjoyable. So it was it was mostly the fun that powered me through. And that's why I think I bring that message with me because the more fun you're having, the further you'll go. So you say for a lot of people, emotions can be difficult to control. We are not giving strategies and tools to gain control of our emotions. So they often control us. Do you really believe that we can control anything? I believe that we have the ability to control our perceptions. Right. Mm. I think it's not a skill that we necessarily develop naturally. Right. Um, we maybe do with the wisdom of time and mentors and guidance. But I think without having that belief of I can control my perceptions, 
it makes it much more likely that we'll feel overpowered or we'll feel less purposeful because there's outside influences that can change things and make a huge effect. Now, I know our circumstances can change, but when we know we can change the way we view something, Mm -hmm. hopefully, and my belief is, we can change the way that we look at it to use it for us. Um, And I think that's the bit that I connect to in terms of control. It's maybe accountability or maybe responsibility, maybe uh, a slightly more effective word. But what I'm going for is that sort of that sense of empowerment to Mm. say that you can change how you feel. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Taking responsibility. That really resonates true to me and also feeling empowered and knowing Mm. that we can guide, that we can become aware of our emotions and guide them in a different direction if they are destructive. Yeah, and I love that awareness piece. I think that's so important. Yeah, and you talk in your book, in that section, you talk about awareness. You say, the more you clear the decks of the past events and emotional blocks, the more self-awareness develops. But then you said, self-awareness on its own, however, will only get you so far. So talk to me about that. When we become self-aware, or we become more aware, because I think, as we've mentioned, awareness is something that we keep working towards. I think there's a difference between becoming aware of something and then holding yourself responsible or accountable to actually taking action on it. Mm, There are lots of different times where Um, And, you know, I do this as well. I'm certainly not going to pretend to be immune where I'll be aware of something. And I think, ah, I've just noticed that and I'd like to do something different. And then maybe I get distracted or I get a different priority come up. And then later down the line, I notice it again. And it's like, ah, there's that thing I haven't changed yet. Whereas there are certain times and places where I become aware of something and I decide, okay. I really want to make a change here. And then it's about putting in a bit of work, a bit of effort, a bit of energy to actually do it. And I think that's the sort of the piece that I like to to emphasize. It's the doing of it rather than just being aware of it. And I also love the idea of accepting. So to fall back into that alignment and uh, balance, accepting what we cannot accept or we don't want (laughs) or like to accept, (laughs) that creates this space, doesn't it, of uh, inner peace that we can act more. That's a place of action because now we are free to act without any guilt or judgment. 100%. I think our ability to change something when we resent it is so inferior to when we can accept it and then embrace it and then decide to consciously change it. So the more we resent, I think the more stuck we get, the more we can accept, the more open we are to doing things differently. And I love the exercise you have, the self-development exercise. You have all these, uh, you call circle of life. You have the areas in our lives that we can work on and go from there. Family, friends, romantic relationships, physical environment, mental and cognitive, and a lot more. And you really go deep into 
explaining and outlining how to go through. So you have lots of steps here, I think 17 of them, how to go through all these chains. Wonderfully done, uh, well written and easy to navigate. So oh, we, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, something that I value. As you know, I do what I do for a reason because I value these things. It's so important that we, uh, as humanity, as human beings, come to this place of confidence, of self-confidence, believing in ourselves, expressing who we are with um, authenticity and without fear. So that goes back to that idea of love, of God, of the invisible world to me. Yes, yeah. So thank you for that, for that message. I have those ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I think it's a lovely bit of synchronicity. That the, and I've got the chapter of my book here. And the exact piece that I was going to read out <laughs> is the more you clear the decks of past events and emotional blocks, the more self-awareness develops. Right. So for you to bring that up, and for me to pick that out of all of the things that is in the book, uh, I think that's just wonderful. So I think I'll, I'll leave it with your beautiful reading. I think that, that did everything we needed to. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? Oh, the hardest lesson. So I definitely know the answer to this. And the hardest lesson for me, and it was quite a difficult one to learn is I was so focused on doing, how can I say it? I was so focused on achieving something so other people would think I was good. Right. Tell me about it. <laughs> and I, and people pointed it out to me and I kind of chuckled along. Um, and it, it was something that really took a lot of introspection to figure out. And that led to the idea that when I did something well, I was better than someone else. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the, the pattern that I was running for quite a while, where when I performed really well or I felt that I was successful, if we use our word from earlier, yeah. then I was sort of better at something or better at doing this or had more qualities than that. And it took a few humbling experiences to bring me down from that. And they were certainly something that at the time I, I didn't see the, the patterns of. And it was actually going back through them through coaching, which allowed me to see that actually those were lessons that I really needed to learn. And learning them was hard but I would keep those learnings now. I wouldn't change them. Wow, this is something that all of us, I believe, can relate to at some level. I certainly can. Basically living for others, not being self-confident, yeah, not embracing ourselves as um, valuable and the most important thing in the world. Not in a selfish way, but in a yeah. loving way. Right? In a loving way, yeah. yeah. And somehow mistakenly thinking that if we get praise from the outside, that will be enough to satisfy us. Yes. Right. right. It needs to come from that loving place from within. So two more questions for you. If you knew you would leave the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I have invested 
an amazing amount of time and an amazing amount of energy into going back through the moments that I used to regret and turn them into lessons. Mm, right. Now, I wouldn't by any means say I've done it because there are so many moments, but my attitude is whatever I've gone through is necessary for me to be where I'm going. So I try not to think of the idea of what I've done wrong or what I would change and focus on having that as a part of the journey. So I'll stay with the idea of I won't change anything, but that doesn't mean that I, I still don't have work to do. So my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things I know about life are, one, find out what is most meaningful to you and do as much of it as you can. The second one would be the knowledge or the wisdom that it's not what's happening to you, it's the way that you're looking at it. And the third thing would be to make sure that you've always got a goal that you're moving towards because without that, things can get a little bit stagnant. Whereas when you've got a goal, regardless of how small, you're moving towards it. And I, I like that idea of moving towards. Thank you so much, Danny, for your wisdom, your beautiful, peaceful presence, the work that you do, the important messages, reminders, and everything else in between. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me and for doing your work and sharing your message and everyone's. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future projects? The easiest way to get in contact with me or to find more information is to go to my website. So that's www.dannygreavescoaching.com. If you would like to catch up with me on social media, I post videos on a pretty much daily basis. So again, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under Danny Greaves and Danny Greaves Coaching. And if you would love to get a version or a copy of my book, uh, you can find that on Amazon. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Bye for now, Danny. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Danny Greaves and his work, please visit dannygreavescoaching.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.